Welcome everyone to the Pop Culture Podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. We come to you today just a couple of days after the, uh, don't want to say shocking, but I think certainly took people by surprise that uh, Stan Lee was taken, uh, even at the age of 95, so quickly without warning. And we wanted to put something together. We, we didn't want to bring it out too soon. And several of you had reached out, you know, are, are you guys going to do something for Stan Lee the way you had for Leonard Nimoy, for Carrie Fisher? And, um, you know, felt a little bit of responsibility, particularly given the amount of content we've covered that really started with the mind of uh, Stan Lee. It really is incredible to reflect on his body of work, which we will attempt to do a bit of in this podcast. I think we should say up front, we're not we're not doing the the end all and be all biography, nor are we nor are we setting out to kind of hit every every note for everybody. I think it's kind of a bit of a uh, bit of an exploration on the things that have have impacted us that the kind of the greatest hits that our listeners are familiar with uh that that he has had a hand in and uh and a couple personal memories along the way and uh hopefully in that it's a it's a unique and heartfelt presentation and i think the thing that if you want to say hastened or prepared or whatever it was within the within the last uh you know 18 months, a little less. Um, his wife of 69 years, Joan, who was everything to him, had passed away in July of 2017. And um, while we did not get to see him personally, although we're going to go into some stories where we have seen him personally before, we didn't get to see him personally at the uh, New York Comic Con in 2017. We got to see one of the last big talks that he did that had been taped um, with Joe Casada um, uh, within the last year and a half. And um, that ironically took the space of the Punisher panel in 2017 that had to be pushed given the sensitivity of what had happened a couple days earlier in Las Vegas with the mass shooting there. Um, so I think, you know, the universe, particularly talking about the man that we are today and the, the universe of characters and ideas that um, he really helped to usher in, the universe has a way of kind of figuring things out. Indeed it does. And you mentioned his wife. Uh, he had mentioned in that interview and, and in other places the story has been told how, um, how he, he was on his way to a uh, – I think he was on his way to a date with someone else and she happened to be, um, she happened to be at, at the location and they quick you – know, he, he quickly professed his love for her. They, they immediately started dating. You kind of wonder, you know – who was the other girl who could have been Mrs. Stanley and and you right. know, but but Pete, that's not in the that's not in this timeline here, um, and you know just this notion of you know married nineteen forty seven, 
their marriage ending with her passing in 2017. I mean, it's just absolutely astonishing. Yeah, she was 95. He passed away at 95. Um, like I said, I, I don't think anybody was shocked. We had kind of prepared ourselves that this would eventually happen, as you do with all people, particularly, you know, 95, ripe old age, but just kind of stunned when it came out. Wow, is this real? In fact, I had seen the news first on Facebook and there was some question even whether it was authentic or not, because uh, TMZ as often is with celebrity deaths, was the first to report. And this is a man whose death was prematurely reported many, many times. And then you add in some controversy within the last year. Uh, there's been some strange videos that have surfaced of him and one of his caretakers slash handlers. Um, in the advent of the Me Too movement, there was uh, an elder abuse investigation and accusations that he, Stan Lee, was uh, inappropriately groping his his nurse. Um, so, you know, we just hope that with his passing here and, uh, you know, moving on that he's got this rest and, you know, more than anything else, uh, I know I feel a great sense of gratitude. Absolutely. And I think you know some of the some of the less fortunate stories from the last couple of years. Certainly, the the notion that his uh, his business manager and whatnot was was taking advantage, uh, you know, with the money or whatever it was. I feel like that story has fizzled a bit. I mean, you kind of hope maybe it was you hope maybe it was a best case scenario of a misinterpretation, or at the very least nothing that was too impactful on Lee's life similar you know with with the groping thing I'm certainly not trying to excuse that behavior ever but I feel like that's a story that came and went so quickly that it might have been you know <laughs> it might have been it might have been uh, uh, a pinch or this or that from somebody born in 1922 again I'm not saying it's ever appropriate but you certainly right. get the sense that it wasn't anything overwhelming and above and beyond um to 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 besmirch the otherwise, I mean, just stellar, stellar relationship that he had with the public for generations and generations and generations. And I think that's going to be perhaps past the characters, the lasting legacy of this man, that he was so humble, that he was so affable, that he was always ready to mix with whomever. This was a guy who truly believed in equality, did not give it lip service long before a lot of people were looking into that. And um, it genuinely came across in every interaction you ever hear about this man having. You look at the, the pantheon of characters he helped co-create and a discussion for another time or a discussion held elsewhere, you know, other other podcasts or articles, books, et cetera, can be what was the exact nature? Was it 50-50? Was it 60-40, et cetera, for some of these creations? But 
you look at the list of characters that he co-created <laughs> pete there's more there than i was even aware of the yeah. heavy hitters spider-man the x-men iron man thor the hulk fantastic four black panther daredevil doctor strange ant-man i mean just an incredible universe of stars there let alone their current value and the you know marvel movies now and things of that sort it's just an incredible set of characters it really is you know and and you look back at some of the other people who have created comic book characters that have endured and you know you've got a couple guys that make Superman and then unfortunately make the enormous mistake of selling the rights for $130. Um, and, and then you've got one man who was widely acknowledged on Batman. And then thankfully we recently had the, uh, you know, recognition of another man who was just as, if not more involved, the, uh, the co-credit now for the character of Batman but when you look at Stan Lee and the volume for which he was responsible and linked, whether, like you said, 50-50, whatever, that he was even in on as much and as iconic uh, a, a group as he was really, really says something. You know, I, I can't think of another writer, creator we might eulogize on this type of level in terms of just a volume of popular culture. The only name that really comes to my mind and thankfully he's still with us is a George Lucas. Well, you mentioned the volume of creation and that of course played a role in uh, what would become known as the Marvel method by which the old fashioned style of writing comics where the writer would write a script and that was kind of sacrosanct and, you know, the, the measly artist would go make those words into pictures, uh, under, uh, under Stanley's time uh, at Marvel, particularly in the 1960s, uh, the Marvel method was born. And that was where the, the, the author, if you will, would have a particular idea, share that with, the penciler who would then start to sketch stuff out and there kind of would be this back and forth, back and forth. And it would be, here's my idea for this as the Genesis of the writer, if you will. Now as the co-creator go pencil that out and then things get refined, things get refined. And then when it's finally, when, when the penciling is done, it goes back to the, the writer, back to the scripter for the actual captions and uh, dialogue and things of that sort. So just this method that allowed, story to still be the driving force but to also say to, to say to the visual artist come up with the visuals and and augment the story as you want and bring your own ideas and and just this weaving back and forth is such a such a really inspiring way to do not just comics but to approach a, a creative endeavor the the collaboration um and again, I think it stresses that equality and a sense of teamwork that came across on the page with all the team ups and all these heroes and, you know, villains and everything that they offered in a prolific way. But, you know, you got to remember for a long time, they were the, the number two house to DC and, you know, you look where things are now and thankfully 
for, you know, the, the later years of his life, Stan Lee got that recognition and he, he got to take, I, I think we could say more than a couple victory laps. Uh, but there were some times there that were kind of thin and, and kind of lean. Um, and you know, the, the troubles that comic books found themselves in, you talk about the comics code authority and, you know, you, you talk about, um, some of the ebb and flow within the industry. Uh, you know, I'm thinking like the sixties into the seventies and, uh, you know, this man lived this long and truly saw the birth of this art form. Uh, in, in a true pop culture sense, I mean, you go back to the 1800s and you can find versions of, of comic books. Um, but you know, the, the explosion, if you will, of the art form all the way to, you know, now, not just in your book, it's on your film screen, it's on your TV screen. Yeah. I mean, the notion that he was working at timely comics, the progenitor of Marvel, he was working there at nine in 1939. I mean, that is as close to the beginning of things as as you can get to. I mean, simply simply put, that that's right there at the genesis as uh, as Superman and Batman are, are bringing that first wave there for Superman, uh, 1938. Um, I believe the same year for for Batman and Wonder Woman as well. But I mean, it's right at the birth of this as a pop culture uh, as a pop culture thing. Um, now he's there at the much lesser competition. Um, Batman 39, Wonder Woman 1941, by the way. But as all this is coming up, I mean, he's there at the beginning and then it has its, that initial golden age has its time in the, in the sun. And then it's when he, he does his kind of book on the way out to tell the story he wants to tell famous story. I'm sure many people know where he, he makes the, the kind of story with pathos that he wants and that's fantastic Four, and that takes off. And then, then you have that whole silver age of comics there where, not everyone is perfect all the time. Yeah. And, you know, you, you go back and look at that uh, golden age, okay, 1938 to 1956. Um, and, you know, going through that and then going to times when it was not as golden. Um, you know, like I said before, the issue they had with the Comics Code Authority, something that lasted, Matt, uh, held on in one form or another till 2011. I didn't discover until recently. Okay. Um, when Marvel abandoned it, it was 2001. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did not, uh, set in, uh, for me until I had read that recently and, and used it in a presentation. Um, but you know, he's, he's essentially responsible for half of half of the greatest characters in all of comic book history. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think part of what has made him such an indelible, uh, figure, it's not just those creations or, you know, he, he, he got them started and now, you know, they, they've been, uh, had more life breathed into them by other writers, other pencilers, other media. Um, it's, it's all these, credits for which he's so well known i mean pete my daughter is seven she knows stan lee as that funny guy who shows up in the marvel lego games and oh wait he's also in you know i mean insert whatever the latest marvel movie 
is, you know, she, she kind of can count on him showing up there too. And it's kind of good for a laugh, which got me thinking. It was like, when was there a time before I knew the grandfatherly wise Stan Lee? And I will admit, Pete, I was like, oh, I know he's in the beach scene in X-Men. I thought that that was the first time I saw him. Uh, I, I see now it's uh, the part is hot dog vendor. I couldn't have told you off the top of my head that he had a hot dog. I know it's when uh, when the senator comes out of the water and whatnot. But to go all the way back, and, I, and this was like this, oh, duh moment. The first time I saw him do a cameo, it was in 1995's Mallrats where he plays Stan Lee. There you go. Um, I immediately think of the... Um, what's really ushered in this this grand comic book tv and film era that we're in um the cameo in the original spider-man movie uh for me is the the one that sticks out but just so many great ones you know whether you go for me the the gold standard in deadpool where he's the uh the mc in the strip club (laughs) um or you know, as the as the Watcher in Guardians of the Galaxy two, uh, just so many good ones, and and that that one's a great one because it seemingly ties in all those cameos as having been, you know, uh, checking in on humanity and on our heroes, and and he kept watch over his, you know, a lot of his creations and his favorites, and. Uh, you know, there was a, a video that surfaced uh, in the last 48 hours of him um, in the days, weeks before his death. Uh, and they just happened to have a camera and they were filming him talking so graciously about all the fans and, and what they did. Um, so this was somebody who never put on airs, you know, well, I made this character and I came up with this. No, he credited the audience for having connected with what they put out there. And I, I think that's the best type of creator in the, you know, you want to call it the quote unquote toxic fan era that we're in where there's such entitlement that these are my characters. You know, there, there's another way to look at it, that these characters belong to everybody, that the, um, the artist, the uh, the writer creates, and then it's this this partnership. It's this shared commitment on behalf of these beloved, and on the villain side, reviled, you love to hate them characters. Well, Pete, let's talk about some of the times that we were able to lay eyes on him uh, at New York Comic Con, and I must confess, I don't know if this first instance was the first chronologically, but it's the one that I kept thinking of in this past week. And uh, given any you know any particular year, how the autograph and meet and greet area for New York Comic Con is, you know, it can be set up differently. Basically, nowadays it's kind of like there's a line, and once you go past the line, you can't have your phone out, and it's kind of like a big U shape, and you're kind of, right. you know, past a certain point, you need to have paid for the interaction, you know, but several years ago we're walking around in an area we were allowed to be in and there's kind of you know curtains up and whatnot and we we pause for a moment or whatever and the curtain behind us opens up and there we are 
three feet away from Stan Lee, he was wrapping up a meet and greet or a picture or whatever with the person who had who had opened the curtain so they could leave. And certainly we, we weren't going to intrude upon the moment. But it was like this magical thing of, you know, there are these curtains and dividers and whatnot everywhere. And all of a sudden, one, like a magic cape, magically opens. There's yep. Stan Lee sitting in his blue sweater on a on a raised up, you know, chair. Uh, and it's like, there he is. And you, you kind of, the two seconds become a mental picture that's going to last a lifetime. But then the two seconds are over, the curtain closes. And it's like, uh, 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 we just saw Stan Lee. He was just, I could have reached out and, uh, well, I don't know what just happened, but it was Stan Lee magically appeared and disappeared. We've seen him together. I've seen him separately. I've walked past him on at least two occasions. I'm fairly certain we saw him in Philly as well. Uh, in a similar type of setup. He was such a fixture in these conventions back to when they were nothing. Okay. It, it was a way of getting by at one point for him to go and do this. And the man was always gracious of his time in the last couple of years in particular, a lot of these um, appearances had been canceled, wasn't feeling well, or there were issues as far as flu season or whatever it was, and he would Skype in or they would find another way to make him available. He would not miss it. That's the type of giving participatory human being we're talking about. He always wanted to be around what he considered his people, these fans. And, you know, whether it was him in the blue sweater or I saw him in the yellow sweater or I saw him in his little leather coat one time, you know, uh, he, he was there, um, back when, you know, iPhones weren't all over the place and, you know, obviously gets a little older and these devices are on everybody a little bit naturally, a little bit more reclusive people taking advantage, you know, or people would just stop around him and there'd just be this throng and you would know, Oh, Stan Lee is right there because no one's moving. Um, diminutive man, uh, but a huge heart and just a really, really sweet and easygoing guy. Like I said, always down for everything. And I think that's what really, you know, concerned me given some of the stuff that came out the last couple of years that he may have been taken advantage of. But hopefully we're going to learn that that stuff was blown out of proportion and did not contribute in any way to the events leading up to his death. And then he went peacefully, although he seems to have been rushed to the hospital and had battled pneumonia a little bit recently. I think too, Pete, because, because particularly in these recent years and the, the rise of Marvel studios and even kind of the, the non Marvel studios, Marvel movies, it's, it's nice that he was able to see these celebrations uh, about his life, which have occurred, uh, you know, in the last five years, 10 years, whatever it is, whether it's being inducted as a Disney legend, um, whether it's uh, getting a star on the, uh, the Hollywood walk of fame, uh, you know, things like that, uh, uh, winning the uh, national medal of arts in 2008 bestowed by, uh, by president Bush, you know, it's kind of like, this isn't, this isn't kind of an after the fact thing. I'm sure certainly at the Oscars, there's going to be, uh, he'll be mentioned in the end memoriam. Uh, in fact, Pete, of all the, 
tributes on social media that I saw on the day he passed, the one that, and I don't know why it got me, but the one that really kind of put a tickle in my throat was a tweet from from the Academy, you know, the Oscars uh, Academy, and had a picture of, uh, you know, the 2002 Spider-Man, and it, it kind of had words thanking Stan Lee for, for, you know, these imaginative characters and whatnot, and somehow it just hit. I mean, I think maybe that's probably because even though X-Men predated the X-Men movie predated the Spider-Man movie, it's like that first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. It's like, yes, this is how comics come alive on the screen. Um, But, you know, I mean, again, you look at this list of accolades that he had and he was around to receive all of them. Yeah, thankfully. And, you know, much has been made of the way that Jack Kirby's life ended and then, what has been widely reported as um, a uh, miscommunication between him and Kirby's family at the funeral, which gave rise to rumors of uh, jealousy and, you know, just uh, infighting and, and that type of stuff. I don't think the man had a hateful bone in his body. I really don't. Um, there's, he, he was so visible. Uh, everybody's got a story about the guy. Um, you know, that was the thing with social media the other day, just seeing the outpouring. I know there's this, uh, this movement now for, uh, what would have been his 96th birthday. What is this? December 28th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there's a movement that's making the rounds on social media that every that that day everybody would wear a, a T-shirt that day with one of his creations on it, um, and what would be a really neat tribute. Um, hoping that kind of sticks around and, and gathers steam. There's another one though, Matt. I really like and I I think is is really fitting. So I'm going to ask you first. So, Matt, one of the things that's also been making the round on social media is the idea uh, people have been asking each other if uh, his casket could be born by any of his characters, which would you choose? I think for me, the, the answer in my mind is a simple one, and that would have to be the Fantastic Four because it was that starting point for what Marvel was in the 60s. It was that starting point to say, hey, let's inject imperfection. Let's inject uh, conflict to, to these characters. Let's inject something that's really relatable. You know, a family not getting along, different personalities, different, you know, different ways of doing things. Should we be intellectual like Reed Richards? Should we go out and have fun like Johnny Storm? Um, should we be passionate like, uh, like Ben Grimm? Should we be cool headed like, like Sue Storm? Um, again, I think not only do those kind of characters represent, you know, kind of major portions of, of the individual psychology, but what it meant for a starting point for a way to tell these stories. Uh, and I think too, Pete, there's something a little fitting in terms of the, the 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 hyper i wouldn't say oversaturation but the 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 saturation point to which all these comics characters are in media beyond comics now you know fantastic four is the one that hasn't yet made that really 
you know kind of valued beloved transition so it's yeah. kind of like they're the ones that are still kind of out there waiting to get the right kind of love the way superman did in 1977 and batman did in 1989 and x-men did in 2000 and iron man in 2008 like that first that first creation of sorts i know he had created some characters before that but fantastic four is a starting point it's yet to make the 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 crossover to where everything else is and um i think it's just it's a fitting creation to bring up in this context myself i would go with spider-man i think you know his linkage with that character is everlasting i'd have captain america on there and then you're gonna need some extra strength and you know who does that better than the hulk and i think between the three of them they could uh lay mr lee to rest well it's, it's funny and i would say fitting that you should end with the hulk there i you know i mentioned uh, earlier the first cameo that i for sure saw stanley in was in was in mall rats and i remember you know when there's that he has that whole discussion about where the supposed origin was of these characters and you know the hulk was a way to to, to deal with uh, a temper and whatnot i think that might have been the first time for me where it was like oh wait these characters mean more than just green guy who hits things or guy who climbs walls like there's actual metaphor here and there's actual nuance to these characters and that i think has been the journey of the last 20 25 years in terms of the, the 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 pop culture recognition of these characters that he has created and of course others you know it's not it's not all exclusively created by stanley and blank but i think the 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 pop culture movement has been to realize the underlying pathos and relatability to these characters and a lot of that comes from stanley's contributions to comics Absolutely. He will be remembered long after uh, having lived. These characters are part of our mythology as people now, Matt. I mean, this man could have a, a, a legacy like Zeus one day, given the, the gods, the uh, icons he helped to fashion. And I mean, I don't think that that is necessarily hyperbole. I mean, there really is, insofar as these comics characters are our new Greek gods in terms of, you know, you might not necessarily believe that it's true, i.e., you know, I don't know how long uh, genuine uh, worship of Greek gods went on for, but at a certain point it becomes just this story that these series of stories that get retold and retold and are culturally familiar same too with these comics characters and who's one of these comics characters of sorts who keeps popping up it's stanley and all of them i mean there's yep. comics with stanley and others you know uh jack kirby etc there's the litany of you know he's doing recording the intro to the 80s cartoon and the this and the that and there's kind of there's almost no genesis point where anybody who's alive now can say, oh, I remember the, the first time Stan Lee became a character of sorts because it kind of predates memory. And there's been a Stan Lee character around almost as long as there's been a Fantastic Four and a Spider-Man and a Black Panther and all that. 
they have filmed a cameo for uh, the still untitled Avengers 4. Um, they seem to have filmed one for Captain Marvel, but can't get any firm confirmation at this point uh, about that. There may also have been one done for the Spider-Man uh, Far From Home film, we expect, um, in July of 2019. But, you know, after his last cameo has shown, we're going to remember him long after and fondly so. Well, Pete, we would love to hear from our listeners their thoughts, their reflections on Stan Lee. Hopefully that's uh, that's something that we can discuss again in the future, the, the reminiscings of the audience. So, Pete, how can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,156 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Another perfect place to leave your remembrances of Stan Lee, Fantastic Geek's Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the PH. Like it today and be part of the discussion. Well, with that, Pete, I will say goodbye to all the true believers out there and leave you with the final word. Excelsior.